Hello and welcome to the One Football Podcast. Germany are out of Euro 2020. France are out of Euro 2020. Portugal are out of Euro 2020. England are still in Euro 2020. I'm Dan Burke and today I'm joined by three excellent guests to discuss every match from the round of 16. We've got Helga Voltman. Hi. Francesco Porzio. Italy is also in, by the way. Ciao. <laughs> and Daniel Cadena Jordan. Hello, hello, hello. So how are you all feeling on this fine Thursday morning? Particularly you, Helga, are you over uh, the, the result from the other night yet? I was never under it. Oh, okay, fair enough. <laughs> <Completely> fine. <laughs> That's what I say when England lose too, yeah. <laughs> and Francesco, are you still enjoying the, the Euros from, from Milan? I was quite uh, disappointed by the last game, but uh, I'm still en- until we are in, I'm enjoying that. Yeah, so sure. it's fine. And Danny, you're the you're the non-European among us. Have you chosen a team to, <laughs> to root for at the Euros this summer? Well, it was Germany. Uh, I've been rooting for them for a while, but uh, that's kind of over now, isn't it? Yeah. Have you got Have you got someone as a fallback option? Uh, I have a fallback. Yeah, it's uh, Switzerland, mate. I'm oh. uh, going all in for the surprise, mate. Good, good. Well, we'll uh, we'll come on to that a little bit later on. Uh, totally. We're going to go through uh, the all the games from the round of sixteen today. And uh, the round of sixteen, of course, began on Saturday with Denmark putting in a superb display to beat Wales four nil. I mean, considering what they went through with Christian Eriksen, Danny, would you say Denmark have been the team of the tournament so far? Um, they're, they're up there, definitely, and they definitely have the nicest story. I mean. Pardoning the fact that the guy uh, had like a really huge health scare, the fact that the team kind of came around him, came around that, and have managed to do like a very decent tournament of anything. Um, I'm still just waiting to see like actual like what they'll be able to do against the big dogs. Uh, I think that's like the one thing we're still waiting from from Denmark. Having said all that, they're definitely up there. They're having a great tournament. Uh, the team is responding quite well, and uh, and yeah, they seem to have the motivation now to to go for it. Actually, indeed. Well, Casper Dolberg scored twice in this game. The first of which was a lovely strike from him. Uh, he's a bit of a football manager, FIFA type wonder kid. Uh, do you think he's the real deal in real life too, Helga? Uh, depends a bit on what you what you would say is the real deal. <laughs> like, I think they, we all know that he's been like, after his phenomenal season there uh, first season. I think at, at Ajax he's been stagnating a bit. Had um, not the greatest of last years, um, but I think we all also agree that that he has a, a bunch of potential. Um, I don't know if we would see him up there. You know, like. If you go like the real deal, like someone like Lukaku, like really like the like the highest levels of, of strikers, I, I don't know, don't think that he's gonna get there probably. But yeah, very like I think definitely the potential to be a decent striker in the in the top European yeah, goals. his first goal in this game was very nice, particularly. Yeah. Uh, Joachim Mela also scored a very nice goal. He's been at Atalanta since January. Uh, Fra, what is it about Atalanta players are performing well at this tournament? I mean, I feel I talk about uh, Atalanta every time because it's <laughs> yeah. so interesting to, 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 to see this team that, uh, I mean, nobody really understands why the players are so good there. And uh, I think it's about um, the whole team, the whole structure. It's a, it's, a, it's a club that is working perfectly in the last five years. There is a manager that improves the players a lot. Gasperini is uh, definitely one of those. And then there is a whole structure where players go there they have no pressure i mean less pressure than than other places for sure and the other clubs so they they have the the possibility to grow and become some very good players i'm thinking uh, of course Maele because there is the one that we we're talking about but also if you think about gosens now everyone is impressed about the, the the talent and how good he was during these euros but he was like this in the last two years in Italy in Serie A. Yeah. So uh, it's it's impressing from one side or from the other. I'm kind of used to talk about Atalanta, but I understand <laughs> that from the outside it's, uh, it's it's still a surprise. So what we're saying is people should watch more Serie A and more Atalanta, basically. But that, you call it Farmer League, but... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I didn't call it that. <laughs> <laughs> Let's say the general, uh, general opinion talks about Farmer League, but uh, we are not. We are coming back, yeah, let's say. Absolutely, absolutely. Uh, as for Wales, it's the end of the road for them. Um, were they a little overhyped at this tournament, perhaps, Danny? I mean, they played well against the poor Turkey team, but I didn't see much else from them, really. Well, I think the hype was a very UK thing. Outside of it, and especially like in Spanish-speaking markets, everybody was kind of wondering what uh, their year would look like. What would Bale do? What would you know Ramsey do? Everybody else would do. But um, it was 50-50 at best. Uh, I think 
considering the group they had and, and like you know what what to expect out of that group and the fact that you know many of the third places uh, could go through like the bar was a bit low in that regard maybe uh, but having said that I, I mean they play well enough to go through so if that's any any you know um, something to take away from them it's not uh, but yeah. Uh, Iffy uh, at best uh, outside of the UK with with Wales. Yeah, fair enough. I mean, they've, they've got two very good players and then pretty average players, really, haven't they? And it sort yeah. of came up short. That's sort of that case, unfortunately. yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean, two of their group matches were played in Baku, then they played Italy and Rome, then Denmark and Amsterdam. Helga, how, how unfair is it, do you think, that some teams have had to do lots of travelling at this tournament while other teams have barely moved? Well, d- did not help Germany much in the end. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> For example, played like three games in Munich. Um, no, I think... In general, like, like we talked about this before the tournament, you have that at um, any tournament in like uh, bigger countries, like in, in Brazil, we had that as well. That some teams had to travel quite a lot, others didn't. Um, I think here, like I mean, Baku really is a bit unfair. You have to admit because it's just so far away and like it's such a such a hassle to to get there for the teams. Um, I, I think in the end, it could play like a small role in the sense of like they are maybe not as well rested, especially if you have the games. Uh, shortly after each other, um, but I would be surprised if that's like the, the main reason that they're out. Yeah, I mean, I get tired walking to the supermarket, so those guys must have been exhausted. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, later on Saturday, Italy booked their spot in the quarterfinals with a 2-1 win over Austria at Wembley, but they needed extra time to do it. Uh, I think it's fair to say, Fra, that this was Italy's poorest performance at the tournament so far. Uh, what was behind that, do you think? Uh, I totally agree with you. Uh, also because all the others we won in, uh, in after 20 minutes, so yeah. <laughs> it took us 120 to do that. But um, I think that the, the main thing, the main factor was the pressure that there was on Italy this time because you know we we impressed uh, a lot of people in the first three games but then there was pressure because a lot everyone was expecting so much from Italy an easy win against Austria uh, I don't think they underestimated the, the value of the, of the of the of the opponent of Austria I think it was more about uh, I mean in the second half they were nervous they were they, they were even like passing the ball to each other they were just uh, throwing the balls and they were not concentrated they were frustrated uh, I think that was because of the pressure that they couldn't uh, uh, that they didn't expect this kind of situation so um, I agree with Mancini when he said that that was the most difficult game uh, but hopefully they will do better against Belgium because if Italy plays like this against Belgium there's no way they can go through. Yeah, well, I mean, I, mean, I won't hear a bad word said about Roberto Mancini on this podcast, as you know. <laughs> uh, do you think he got his team selection right here? I mean, uh, particularly the, the decision to bench Manuel Locatelli was perhaps a bit uh, controversial. Um, I mean, I don't, it's difficult to say that because uh, when you have Barella, when you have Giorgino, when you have uh, Verratti, who do you put in the bench instead of Locatelli? It's difficult. I mean, I understand what you're saying because Locatelli is a player that is, in, is doing really well and he did really well in the first games. But it, who do you bench him for? Yeah. And that's a difficult decision. Honestly, I was expecting uh, uh, the, the, cha- the subs that he made in the second half. I was expecting that way before that. Yeah. Like uh, Chiesa for, for Berardi and Belotti for Immobile. Especially Chiesa for Berardi, I would say. I was expecting that at the beginning of the second half, to be honest. And then he did it in the like last 10 minutes. Uh, so that was quite disappointing, I have to say, because you could understand that Berardi wasn't uh, focusing, wasn't like uh, in the game, it was just probably wasn't the right night for him. Uh, and Chiesa, as we can see, when he came in, uh, he was phenomenal. He did an amazing goal. He, he, he basically won the game. So I was expecting that to happen before, to be honest. Yeah. For for the next game, I'm expecting some changes, not too many because I don't I don't think he will change six players, but two two changes he can make it probably Locatelli and Chiesa. Pessina, he doesn't get in. Yeah, Pessina, I love him. Tom uh, is uh, is amazing. Pessina is another Atalanta talent, by yeah, the way. You yeah, know, yeah, yeah. Uh, talking about Atalanta, uh, actually he was really. Uh, Really good last year in Verona with, uh, with Juric, who is the manager who was the number two of Gasperini back at Inter Milan. I remember when Gasperini was at Inter for the two, three weeks mm. at the beginning of, yeah. <laughs> of the season. So he, let's say he's a sort of Gasperini 2.0 Juric. And that's why then he was so good also at Atalanta and Pessina. Amazing. Anytime he comes in the pitch, he's like, 
what I like about him is that he's super easy with what, what he do. He's not like uh, wants to do like complicated passes or shots from three, three meters. He's just easy, you know, comes in, concentrated, easy passes, and then he scored two goals already, so... Keep it simple. There you go. Yeah. yeah. Uh, how do you feel about VAR after it saved Italy's bacon with that Marco Arnautovic goal? And how proud are you of that uh, that world record that was set during this game? So it's a total of 1,168 <laughs> minutes they went without conceding a goal. Okay, let's say that the record was the last thing I was thinking during, during the game, <laughs> to be honest. <laughs> I have to be honest with you. But uh, okay, I, I have to say that I'm proud because I'm Italian. So okay, it's fine. I will say that. But... Uh, uh, talking about VAR, uh, you know, because you know me very well, I'm really pro VAR. So, uh, uh, I'm, I'm also pro, of course, right now after, after this game. Uh, honestly, I was quite happy after Arnautovic celebration that he wanted to shut us down and shut the Italians down <laughs> in Wembley. And at the end of the game, we were not the one, uh, silent. Let's put it this way. Uh, so I'm quite, happy about that uh also because Marco Arnautovic we have to remember is an inter-legend eh? don't oh, forget about it yeah, yeah, yeah. Don't, don't forget about <laughs> it he, he won the, tri- the treble with Inter eh? so he's, a, there you go. he's an inter-legend <laughs> but, yeah. well we were saying earlier about uh, perhaps we should watch a bit more Serie A after this tournament I mean Danny how much did you know about Leonardo Spinazzola after this uh, before this tournament and how highly do you rate him now yeah, I think it's one of those cases, and I think you're right about that. I think we've missed out a lot of players uh, at City A, particularly, uh, like, you know, the Gozens, the Spinazzolas, and everything. Um, but I think this is one of the best things about this international tournament kind of thing that you get to see players, you know, in other systems with other, with other teams, obviously, other managers, and yet you get, to know, uh, you get to know them a bit better, even. And Spinazzola, obviously, I think is one of those revelations, one of those cases that this tournament is going to do him a lot of well, uh, professionally, a lot of good. Uh, and, um, and yeah, I mean, what did I know? I knew he had a great season with Rome, uh, for Rome standards of anything, but, uh, I wasn't expecting him to start three of the four games, not be benched in those three games and perform quite well, honestly. I think Italy have had, uh, not only luck in having Mancini as a coach, but also having a coach that understood that timing and momentum maybe is a rhythm or form, however you want to put it, is one of those, or one of those things that, uh, that, you know, should decide a squad more than just mere talent, right? Uh, I think the Spinazzolas, the Berardis, and that sort of decision, you kind of see that being the prevalent factor in, in, in Mancini's gameplay. And, uh, I mean, the guy's been fantastic for Italy. One assist, I think, so far, is like the, the one strong number you have him on, on, on the offense, but the defense has been stellar, if anything. And uh, definitely one of the reasons why Italy's uh, new record or one of the world records is uh, is what it is, actually. Yeah, it was well, it's his pass for the uh, the Chiesa goal, wasn't it? Which yeah, sort yeah. of uh, broke the, the deadlock. Uh, Italy didn't really look like scoring at that point and it was a, a really clever pass I thought yeah yeah. Totally. Uh, as for Austria this was their first appearance in a knockout stage of a major international tournament since they made it to the 1954 World Cup semi-final uh, did they do themselves proud at the Euros overall do you think Helga? Uh, I, I think overall they're, they're quite satisfied with making it through the group stage because um, this team it's, it's such a weird situation with, with Austria I think because they have if you look at the, the team for example that started against um, against Italy, they have like a bunch of uh, Bundesliga players that play at very decent teams. There, you know, like Alaba and Bayern, of course. But then you have like players from Wolfsburg. You have players from uh, Eintracht Frankfurt or Gladbach. You know, there's like a, like Leipzig. There's a bunch of, of mm. decent players in there. But uh, I think they, they didn't qualify for the last couple of uh, World Cups. They like yeah, like making it through the group stage in, in the Euro. Like I think they were quite. Um, positive before the last times again in France and uh, to, uh, to eight in in uh, their home Euro um, that they were gonna be like somewhat of a dark horse maybe even surprising and then they they got kicked out in, in group stage so I think this time they they actually managed to to get through uh, getting kicked out by Italy is is not uh, you know nothing to be ashamed about. <laughs> So, uh, especially in extra time. So, I think they overall can be can be um, happy with how the, the tournament went. Yeah, agreed. Uh, well, on to Sunday's games, and the Netherlands crashed out of the hands of Czech Republic. Uh, the Dutch were in total control of this one, and then Daniel Marlin missed that chance, and moments later, Matisse de Ligt was sent off, and it all fell apart for them. Did you have any issue with that red card, Danny? Because, I, I mean, I'll tell you what I thought. At the time, I thought it was a pretty uh, outrageous decision, really. I thought he was being fouled by Schick, and then... After the game, I sort of watched it back again and was thinking, actually, he was just kind of falling over, wasn't he, really? And he just stuck out his hand and, and grabbed it. What did you think? 
Yeah, I mean, that's one of those cases that, you know, Fry's going to be happy to hear this, that you kind of realize why VAR is so useful. And, you know, yeah. the fact that VAR has been so good this this uh, year, it's been quick, it's been on time, it's been mostly accurate, I believe. Uh, and, yeah, I think it's, like, in the heat of the moment, obviously, it seems like he was being pushed and shoved and there's really nothing he can do. But then you see him kind of throw that Dennis Rodman pass back into the pitch, <laughs> uh, into, into the gameplay, and uh, you realize, yeah, the guy... Uh, yeah, it's caught offside, basically, to put it one way. But, uh, yeah, I think the Netherlands kind of melted out after that. And, you know, they kind of just imploded, I, I really think. They were also missing a couple players because of injury. Um, and I don't know, like, in the end, the Dutch came to the tournament with Frank de Boer. The Komen change at the beginning of the season, the, the league season, I mean. Uh, it, it meant a lot of changes for, for them. And you could see with them that there were still a lot of things not clicking. Um, and yeah, the fact that you lose one player, you miss a huge chance. I think that just demotivated them, and they sat in front of them a really robust and uh, well uh, well aligned Czech Republic that knew how to how to make the most of that and just exploit the weaknesses the Dutch had. And I don't know the Dutch just being the Dutch in the sense that uh, you know close but no cigar as always. Indeed, yeah. Did you feel sorry for De Ligt, Fra? I mean, he has a, he's had quite a difficult time at Juventus. Uh, he looks to be really enjoying his football at this tournament. The first half of this game, he was really good, and then he makes that mistake, and he's the national disgrace now, I guess, isn't he? No, I think we are. The, the, the thing about Delict is that there, were, there is always so pressure about him because the, of the price that Juventus paid for him uh, uh, last year from Ajax, uh, from, of course, uh, the potential he has, uh, the agent he has. So there is uh, the, the release clause he has. There is always a lot of pressure because there is a lot of talking going on about him. I think he is at uh, the 50, 60% of his potential, to be honest. And these are mistakes because he's also young. He needs to make experience, of course. So uh, I feel sorry, yes, to be honest, because I think he's a good guy and uh, uh, he didn't deserve to to have this ending of the Euros, to be honest, because I think he's really one of the top five uh, centre-back potentially in the next years. So, uh, yeah. He'll be back, he'll be back. <laughs> he will be back. He, he yeah. will be fine. He yeah. will be fine. Yeah. Uh, well, many of us ate a bit of humble pie when it came to Frank De Boer at this tournament, but Helga, should, be we, should we be uh, regurgitating some of that pie after this defeat? I mean, he's he's now left the job, of course. His contract wasn't being extended because they didn't reach the quarterfinals, which was their target pre-tournament, apparently. Um, well, I think they he did better than most of us expected a bit because the, the system really seemed to work well and um, in the group stage, they, they looked well offensively uh better than the many teams um other thing is that they they played against opponents that were probably not of the highest caliber of the of the tournament there um so there was like a little like up and down there in a sense like yeah better than expected the, the system worked better than it did in, in the uh, games before the tournament um he remembered all of the players names which is you know up um <laughs> But um, in the end, I, I, I think against the Czech Republic was a bit of an unlucky game. But uh, as I said before the tournament as well, I, I would have liked to see them play against also like a, like a stronger team to see how, how well it actually really all works. Uh, Danny also pointed out that there was like already against um, like a well-defending Czech Republic side, like a couple of things that, that weren't clicking, like it wasn't as much of a, as a display. Um as it was on the group stage, so I think um, better than than people were afraid before the tournament. Yeah. But like in the end, it was yeah. Also, like the decision of not keeping him shows that also the the Dutch national team wasn't one hundred percent happy with his. It- it just shows how everything could all kind of turn around, though, because in this game, I was watching them first half, particularly thinking, wow, they just look so calm. They look like they're just patiently waiting for, for an opening and to take the lead. And then they, they sort of go behind against the run of play, really, from that mistake from Delete and then the red card. And then, and then as Danny said, they just imploded after that, really. And it was, uh, it's a bit of a shame, really, because I thought, yeah. they, I thought they played quite well overall. But, uh, yeah, he's, he's left the job in sort of disgrace now. Yeah. It's, uh, <laughs> Yeah, life, shows, like, life comes moment. at you fast, as they say. Yeah, it also shows like how like one moment or like 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 one situation can change like the, the whole game. Like if Martin scores there on, on that on that uh, play, and then he should have like nine out of ten times he probably would. Mm. Um, then like half a minute later, like Delich gets gets sent off. Like, like that yeah. situation wouldn't happen if he scores that goal. Exactly. Yeah. Wouldn't talk yeah. about it like, that way. But yeah, overall, like also like like. Taking off Marlon maybe afterwards instead of like someone else and up for you. I think it was like probably their most dangerous player. That was mm. also like something where like a decision that you couldn't quite follow. And then yeah, like 
like a, like a, I don't know. Yeah, as I said, like an up and down uh, tournament for him. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's for the Czech Republic. A great win for them with Patrick Schick getting his fourth goal of the tournament. Uh, Danny, I mean, especially uh, having watched him for Bayer Leverkusen, did you expect this level of performance from him at the tournament? And do you think he's got a shot at the Golden Boot? You know, sometimes you do question where Peter Bosch had him in front of Aladio as the main striker in the team, but then he has these sort of games, these sort of moments, basically. He makes the most of certain occasions that other strikers um, wouldn't necessarily convert into goals. Uh, and you do understand why he's been so important for the Czech Republic. He's like the sole attacking reference they have, a really good one at that, and one that understands what his position in the pitch ought to be and what he should be doing. Um, I mean, he scored four of the five goals the guys have scored, so... Kind of gives you an idea of how crucial he's become and has always been to them, if anything. Um, and I don't know, I think in the end, he's going to be end up being one of those players that if the Czech Republic progress, which I don't see as necessarily something impossible or, you know, far-fetched to put out there right now. Uh, why not? I mean, he just has Ronaldo to surpass, I think. He only has one goal less than him. So, kid's on a good road, I think. I mean, and uh, yeah. Why the hell not? Indeed. Let's give him that. I read a great story about the other goal scorer, Tomasz Holesz, I think I'm saying that right. Um, he scored the winner for Slavia Prague against Arsenal in the Europa League last season. And the day after the game, his brother had to leave a note in the foyer of the apartment building where he lives, basically saying, we apologise for the noise last night, just to explain my, my brother scored in the 90th minute against Arsenal in the Europa League quarterfinal last night. And we, we all went crazy at the end. I've, I think I should leave a similar note in the foyer of my building about uh, blasting uh, footballs coming home out on uh, Tuesday night, you know. <laughs> don't, don't think my neighbours will have appreciated that too much. <laughs> um, it's the Dark Horse Derby in the quarterfinal with Czech Republic taking on Denmark. Who's your money on there, Fra? To be honest, uh, I will say Denmark after after last game. And uh, I'm honestly hoping for Denmark uh, because of Ericsson and ho- ho- what, what they've done in the last weeks. And uh, I honestly am supporting them, in, uh, a part of Italy, of course. But yeah. I'm, I'm cheering for them. Fair enough, yeah. Uh, well, later on Sunday, Belgium beat Portugal 1-0 in what, for me, was probably the most disappointing game of the whole tournament so far. Uh, why do you think both teams look so sluggish here, Helga? Was it the, the heat in Seville, uh, Sevilla that really got to them? Sevilla? Seville? Sevilla? I don't know. If, yeah. One of those. Whatever. Let's, let's just agree that it was disappointing. Yeah. <laughs> Um, like, I mean, he maybe, I think in general, was just also like, a, it's one of those games where you are against an opponent that is pretty much on your level. So you're afraid of making mistakes of, you know, like of conceding that first goal. And so like both teams are more of like avoiding risks, like a little bit like we're going to talk about it later, about like the uh, Germany and, and England there as well at the beginning, at least. Um, so like, uh, yeah, I think that's more of a, of a problem that they didn't want to take. The risk, and that's why yeah. like, this ball's being made, the ball's just being pushed around, basically. Yeah, true, yeah. I um, mean, Portugal boss Fernando Santos, has, uh, Santos, God, I'm getting struggling <laughs> with these names today, aren't I? <laughs> that's coming for, for a lot of criticism after their exit. Did he waste the talent at his disposal at this tournament, do you think, Danny, or, or were Portugal a little overhyped? I don't think they really were that overhyped. I mean, uh, you look at the starting 11 and some of the last game, for instance, and some names are not like, you know, that that big. You know, there's Renato Sanchez, who arguably with Lille had a decent season, but he's kind of been this uh, this this weird question mark on everybody's calendar for these past years after the Bayern, after the Bayern deal. And there's Palinha, who's like, you know, not also that big of a name. I think they have a decent squad, and I think that Fernando Santos could have done it a lot better. Uh, as a coach, I think he could have allowed his team to, you know, play a bit more expansive football. That would have been interesting to see. I think they have the names for that. Um, but all in all, this is the same coach that won it last time out. So I think to say that he did, you know, that he wasted everything, uh, this huge pool of talent, it's a bit of a stretch, but I can understand, um, people that believe, uh, would believe that. I mean, they do come out, uh, they do come out of the tournament on the last 16 round, but, uh, having said that, had they faced a different opponent, someone a bit more accessible than, you know, also, con- uh, you know, contenders for the thing, Belgium, maybe the result would have been different. Maybe we'd be having a different discussion about Fernando Santos at this point. Having said that, I'm not, you know, a biggest, biggest fan of his type of football, but in the end, that seems to be the, the sort of school of, of thought and trainers now that wins, uh, cup tournaments. So, I don't know. I think uh, I agree, but uh, with a pinch of salt there. Yeah, fair enough, yeah. Uh, well, Cristiano Ronaldo still needs one goal to break that all-time men's international scoring record. Uh, were you disappointed that he didn't get it at this tournament, Fra? And uh, do you expect to see him at the World Cup in 2022? I'm not disappointed, to be honest, but... Uh... Come on, is that a question? You think he's not going to play World Cup <laughs> 2022? Hey, he's 36 he's not... now. 
He's not going to score one goal in World Cup 2022. Come on, then. Come on. Come well, on. They're going to set up some international friendly against some minnows so that he can, he can get it, aren't they, basically? I think that's that's the plan now, to just play some absolute nonsense team so he can definitely get the, re- the record. Plenty of time and games to do that, yeah. Yeah. Should penalties count towards the record? That's my question about all this. I think yes. Yeah, I think Mbappé, no. Mbappé can give you an answer why okay. they count. <laughs> <laughs> too soon, too soon. <laughs> uh, the match-winning goal was a lovely strike from Torgan Hazard. Uh, were you surprised that it was him and not his brother or De Bruyne or Lukaku who, who had the biggest impact on this game for Belgium, Helga? Uh, well, they, maybe with De Bruyne or Lukaku, yeah, but um, I would say Hazard, or like Torgan Hazard is actually quite quite underrated maybe outside of people who watch Bundesliga he had like a, a difficult last season with like lots of injuries or like you know like not really getting into a groove there but the year before that was was really great um having like I just opened it up here they're like getting like uh, 20 uh like 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 uh, seven goals 13 assists you know like 20 <coughs> uh, times like he was like directly involved in a mm-hmm. goal um like he's he's really like a very good addition also at Dortmund I would say uh, I would think I would see him as like a yeah like a very decent player as well for for Belgium. So like, I'm not completely surprised that he was um, actually like having a big impact on the game. Um, that he was maybe scoring like a long range goal. That's something that I was not 100 <laughs> expecting of him. But uh, like yeah, it's. Uh, maybe also a bit down to the goalkeeper even though that was, yeah I was going to say should the goalkeeper have done better or was the swerve of the ball just a bit uh, difficult for him to deal with it was a mean swerve but I think like really top goalkeepers get that one I would say I don't know how the others see it but um, like I'm yeah I'm not <laughs> completely uh Saying that the goalkeeper had, a, had, a, had no chance there, you know. I saw people <laughs> comparing it to the uh, the Adidas Jabulani ball. Was it the um, Japan and South Korea World Cup that they had that one, where the ball was just like moving all? No, it was uh, South South Africa. Ah, right, that's right. Yeah, sorry, South yeah. Africa. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Uh, bit of a wild swerve on the ball. We've not seen that for a while. Bring it back, I say. Just have these like random, <laughs> random just like. Phys- like the, physics, yeah. You're like in the this old uh, movie where it was like with the like the Mighty Ducks or something. Like oh yeah, knuckle, like a knuckleball that just goes up and down. All the yeah, time, yeah, just yeah. Bring those. Indeed, yeah. <laughs> uh, De Bruyne and Hazard, uh, Eden Hazard, both went off injured in this game. Roberto Martinez said afterwards they will remain with the squad. We won't get them fully fit for Friday. In the next phase, they will be fit to play. We take it day by day. I mean, it sounds like he's pretty confident of getting past Italy, doesn't it, Fra? Good for him. Good for him. Uh, let's say that we, we there is a game to play first, and we are gonna see who is going to to go through. Let's say that without the Bruin and without, uh, especially without the Bruin, I have to say, I am c- quite confident about the game. I'm not super confident because, as I said, if Italy play like like they played on on on, on Saturday, they will never go. Uh, they will never go through. But at the same time, I, I'm, I'm confident and I think that without the Bruin, we can, we can have possibilities to go through. And I wasn't expecting that, to be honest, uh, uh, at the beginning of the tournament to say that I'm confident about game, a game against Belgium. Uh, we'll see. I don't think it will be an easy game for both sides, uh, but uh, I think Italy has possibilities to, to go through. And that's... Do, you, do you think that the defence can handle Lukaku? Uh, my my view is that the Bastoni should play against Lukaku because he knows him very well from Inter Milan with Bonucci. But I think they will go for Chiellini because he's physical and uh, he will go for Chiellini. Uh, but uh, if there is one defense that can try to uh, uh, let's say um, uh, to say to to to, to stop Lukaku. Is Italy probably yeah. right now? So <laughs> if they don't do that, I don't think there are many other defenses that can do it in the next games. Indeed, indeed. Well, then we come to what I've decided to dub Manic Monday, which began with an extraordinary game in Copenhagen as Spain won 5-3 against Croatia after extra time. Croatia took the lead in this game thanks to a bizarre own goal as Spain goalkeeper Unai Simon miscontrolled a pass from Pedri and it went straight into the net. Uh, what was your reaction when that happened, Danny? You know, um, I was doing some little research on that. Wasn't Robinson's epic own goal also against Croatia. Uh, I, yeah, think, I think it was. I actually, think there's yeah. a little pattern that we're figuring out here. Maybe, uh, Hussle, yeah. yeah, there you go. That, that's the one. Um, I mean, I think it was just baffled as everybody else was. And I mean, you, you, you don't expect these sort of goals to happen any, anywhere, let alone an international tournament. But uh, I don't know. I, I did appreciate a lot how the crowd reacted to, to Unai Simon after 
um, after the whole thing happened because he brings it up in the press conference uh, before the next round, basically saying that it was thanks to the crowd that he kind of could get back into the game. Um, and, you know, it didn't feel like the pressure. Instead, he just felt people being really supportive, really positive about him. And uh, he did have a good couple saves after, after that. Um, even if he conceded three goals against Croatia, I think it's one of those games that, you know, I think manic is the right word for it, isn't it? It's just fast-paced <laughs> at one point, brutal. Uh, it wasn't that tactical at, at one point. And, you know, uh, the guy just had a bad day at the office. It was probably warm as hell, so I'm pretty sure that was a factor in. Um, but, yeah, uh, poor guy. I just yeah. have to say poor guy, and I'm just glad he, he's over the hump. <laughs> well, that's it. You must get the, the sense when you're playing for your, your country at a tournament that everyone in your country is watching you, basically. The whole you know nation's watching oh, on TV yeah. or, or people in the stadium. And then to do something like that, it must be, oh, you must want the yeah. ground to open up and swallow you. It must be horrendous. I, I mean, so, yeah, bounce back. And then, I mean, he made some pretty good saves in the game as well, didn't he? Yeah, yeah. The TV share for that game was uh, 67% uh, during the, the extra time. So it gives you an idea. Two out of every three Spanish people or wow. Spanish TV sets were uh, tuned into the game. So you're very right about that. I think the pressure, especially in countries like Spain that have a decent squad, but not good enough to say it's top three maybe. Um, they have a, a, an interesting coach that's been um, kind of blasting his way through media, these whole press conferences, just saying whatever's on his mind and doing whatever the hell he wants. Uh, I think <laughs> that's kind of kept people engaged. Yeah, too. Yeah, there you go. And driving wherever he wants as well with the scooters and all that. Um, so you do have this sort of like sense of people that are kind of engaged to what's happening there. People are not fully convinced of what's happening there still. Um, and I don't know, that sort of like mix, this sort of circumstances, it kind of reminds me a little bit of the, the Germany of the 2010s, that era, that people like knew it was a young team, promising team. They were not fully convinced because they hadn't proven themselves quite yet. Um, and I kind of have that situation with Spain right now. It's, it's really interesting how people are kind of coming behind this national team. They were, you know, bombarding with with uh insults and comments two weeks ago uh it's good to see that if any if anything yeah is that the police coming to get you danny <laughs> probably probably about time mate. <laughs> the bad takes have finally caught up with you <laughs> uh, helga is it, is it fair to say is it fair that pedri now has an own goal on his record i mean i, I think it touched simon's foot as it went past i don't understand why that was given as an own goal personally well i think he deserves it for his terrible terrible pass <laughs> no i i just don't want to continue burying an 18-year-old. Uh, but uh, in the end, I, I think it touched the, the foot of Simon. Like it, it was kind of like a co-production. Give it to them both, maybe. Mm. Yeah. Um, I was like, like normally, like, like this kind of kind of pass. Like it's really, like it's really mean. Kind of for the, for the goalkeeper because it's like hard to control. Like he should be able mm. to, especially because he didn't have much pressure there. But also, normally you should put like these passes back to the goalkeeper, like on the side of the goal, you yeah, know, like, not yeah. to like not to have this risk happening at all. Um, I don't know. <laughs> give it to them both. <laughs> yeah, give give Pedro the assist for the own goal. I would say. Yeah, yeah. that's, that's yeah. cool. For that. <laughs> uh, well, Spain did come back into it with the goals from Pablo Sarabia, Cesar Aspilicueta, and Ferran Torres. Uh, Torres has had a, a low key but uh, impressive debut season with Manchester City last year. He looks a real hot prospect, doesn't he, Fra? I was very uh, excited by his performance in this game. Well, you should be the one talking about Ferran Torres yeah. more than me, but but I, I I'll try. I'll try to to do my best. <laughs> uh, I think, I, I mean, I totally agree with you. He's one of the best talents City have, and they, they know that. That's why they, they consider him in one of the most important players they have, also for the future, and they are building also, a, 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 let's say, a, a future with him. So I totally agree that he's one of the best pro prospects that City and also Spain have for the future. And, uh, I mean, I can only say good things about him, but if you want to say something, you want to add something, you are the man to talk about him. <laughs> That's true, but, yeah. I but, mean, well, like I say, he was impressive last season. Uh, he's, he, he's versatile. He can play anywhere along the front three. Exactly, sort of yeah. Down the middle, false nine kind of position. He scored and assisted with his left foot in this game, which was pretty impressive as well. And, uh, you know, I think when he went off... I don't know if it was uh, just a coincidence, but Spain kind of fell apart <laughs> straight <laughs> afterwards and, and conceded those two late goals. So, uh, yeah, I'm very excited by him. He's still I, very young. I don't know if you agree, but he's, for me, he's the, be he's the perfect Pep Guardiola player. They can yeah. play in different positions. He's versatile, as you said. Uh, I think it's perfect for, for Guardiola style. I agree, yeah. Uh, well, like I say, it looked like Spain had won the game when they went 3-1 up, only for a Croatia, Croatia to score two late goals and make it 3-0. Uh, Danny, how did our Spanish, uh, Spanish colleagues react when that happened? 
how did you think? Uh, <laughs> everything but ecstatic. You could see the you could see the panic in their stare, man. It was uh, it was quite intense. It felt a bit like Vietnam there for a bit. Um, but uh, but yeah, I mean, they pulled through. The they were, I mean, half terrified, half excited because they weren't expecting a game this good. I think I think none of us were. Um, the fact that we got it, I think, is uh, and the fact that they, you know they they were up three one is something that they weren't expecting either. Um, Croatia, albeit you know more limited or, or less flu or with a less fluid form of play than Spain, maybe, uh, do have things speaking very well for them, especially, you know, Luka Modric and, and company. Um, but, uh, but yeah, they seemed a bit terrified when the next 30 minutes were meant to come up then. But, uh, you know, good for the guys that you could, you know, resolve this before, without having to actually go to the penalty kick shootout. <laughs> yeah. Then I think they would have a proper heart attack because uh, they didn't seem uh, too, too mentally stable <laughs> before this game, to be honest with you. Yeah, I was watching that game while working and I was like, I, I so wish I was in the beer garden with those guys right now. I might have hilarious, yeah. <laughs> I just think it's hilarious that like a, a team that is so normally like, you know, like, like focused on possession and control of the game, it goes like 3-1 up and then just like... Yeah, lose it. Yeah, just like, like, <laughs> yeah. like to completely lose every control there was over the game. Yeah. yeah. Actually, we were we were seated between this group of Spanish people uh, that you know proper football Spanish fan you see usually on Stadia, where like they have red and yellow balloons, paint on their faces, yeah. vamos España the whole time. <laughs> and behind us, there's a group of Croatian teenagers. So you're like, all right, perfect. If this goes to war, then I guess we're just stuck here in the middle, aren't we? <laughs> uh, so it was, it was a good day in the beer garden. Let's just try to put it that I'm way. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> uh, well, into extra time, and Alvaro Morata did put Spain ahead again with a very nice finish before Mikhail Oyazabal I think I did okay with that one didn't I made it 5-3 yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, Helga do you think Morata <laughs> has got the monkey off his back with that goal now I really hope so like, I, I, like, I don't like when players you know like are being mocked for, for missing chances because you know it like, happens to like, all of us I think everybody who's played football before has had these sure citizens like missed um mm. of course morata had a bunch of those recently um but also like and the same as like with Diana, i i think like i always hope that they that they get over it and then actually like if you at least get all of these chances like then like at some point you're you're bound to be scoring them again so like, i'd rather have a player who gets a bunch of chances and misses some than a player that doesn't get chances at all kind of in that yeah. sense yeah that's true um but yeah, so I hope, really hope for him that now he can continue, you know, with this, like that he is like a little bit less pressure on him to to really, no, just relax a bit yeah. more and actually like, they kind of like, you take know, it easy, Alvaro. Yes. <laughs> uh, Fra, how far do you expect Spain to go now? Do you think they can they could win the whole lot, or they're, are they a little too defensively flimsy? I don't know what to think about Spain because one game they seem that uh, you know they can uh, go through really, <laughs> or in the other games they seem that. I don't know. I feel that they can be beaten by by every single team in the competition. Yeah. I don't know what, what you think. I I have this feeling. I still have no understand. That also, we have to say that uh, they have good, good chances now to to go through. So they they, they can be respected and they have to be respected for that. Uh, I don't think they will go to win the whole co competition. But uh, they, they for sure have a possibility. Uh, that's my personal feeling, to be honest. But uh, maybe we, we, we had the feeling that, you know, they were the Spain of 2008, 2000, 2010, because we, we are used to see Spain going, going through. Uh, and that's for this reason they, they can do it. But they are a young team with a lot, a lot of new players, with a lot of new experience. So we have to see what they will do in the important games. Indeed. Well, if you thought that game was crazy, you haven't seen nothing yet. As world champions France were dumped out by Switzerland on penalties after they too squandered a 3-1 lead in the dying minutes. Uh, we received a brilliant listener email at the early hours of Tuesday morning after this game. It says, my name is Christopher. I'm a huge fan of your podcast and I have hesitated to email you multiple times. I'm Swiss, so you can probably guess what I want to discuss. The best match I've ever watched. We had never won a penalty shootout, never been to the quarterfinals of the, of the Euros. And the last time we had gone to any quarterfinal was in 1954 to do it again our neighbours the world champions was just amazing I still can't believe it anyway I wanted to ask your thoughts on the Swiss team because even though we've made it to the knockout rounds of the last three tournaments no foreign media really talked about us when here we are aiming for the quarters um, so I was just wondering what the outside view of the team is sorry for the rambling email I'm just very excited right now I mean I think we can all forgive Christopher for being excited can't we <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> and remember if, if you want to contact the show like he did you can email us on podcast at onefootball.com or tweet us at onefootball um, Danny uh, 
you have a bit of a, a Swiss connection. Is that fair to say that you used to live there? Uh, yeah, I lived there for a year as, as yeah. what, 18 years old, something like that. Uh, yeah. So it's been a while. But uh, ever since then, I've kind of followed, not properly Swiss football, but I am kind of aware of what they're doing in here and there. And he's right. Very, pe- very few people were talking about Switzerland before the tournament. Point being that people thought uh, with the overhyping of Turkey maybe and that of Wales that Switzerland was the favorite one to be last in this group. I kind of always disagreed a bit because you go name by name and it's not that bad of a team. I mean, you have players playing in, in, Gladbach, in Gladbach, Dortmund. You have players in Newcastle, Wolfsburg, Nice, like, you know, decent teams. Granit Schalke and Arsenal, of course. Atalanta, you have uh, Freula. It's not a bad squad when you go name by name. Um, the thing with the Swiss is that they always have an okay squad, a good top 15 kind of team in Europe, but they never transcend to the next, you know, next tier, next echelon would be like top 10 or top 8 in this case. Uh, they did so this time. I think that the coach realized uh, a lot of things that were wrong in the first game and adjusted accordingly. For instance, uh, bringing in Steven Suver as a starter, he's been crucial, I think, to um, the way they've played and what he's managed. I mean, notwithstanding, he's had, he's had what, four assists at this point. I think he's top assister in the, in the Euro so far. So um, that and you have a team that knew how to read, understand quite well what the French are trying to do. Uh, and you have a great recipe for just being the good underdog. The French had all the pressure on them. They played so. They felt really comfortable after that spectacular Pogba goal. But uh, I don't know. Kudos to the guys for not, you know, not shrugging their shoulders and quitting, but actually just pushing forward and forcing penalty kicks. And uh, I mean, yeah, you just have to give props to Sommer for that amazing stop in the last Indeed. penalty kick against Mbappe of all players. So yeah, yeah good for the guys. Uh, <laughs> the neutral guys are going in. So good for him. Yeah. How impressed were you, Helga, with their mental strength? I mean, not just in this game, but the whole tournament. You know, they, they nearly went out in the group stages. The coach, Vladimir Petkovic, had to write an open letter to the fans apologizing before they played Turkey. Then they miss a penalty while they're 1 0 up against France. And within minutes, they're 2 1 down. I mean, you think at that point, it's game over, surely. But they, to keep picking themselves up and, and coming back is pretty amazing, isn't it, really? Yeah. And then on top, like what Danny just said, like with the, with the Pogba goal on, on top of it, you know, like not just. Any goal, but like, you know, uh, that, that strike must have been demoralizing as well. So it's, it's really impressive to me. Um, didn't expect it either. You know, like yeah. when, when that goal went in, I was like, yep, yeah, that's done. And I actually even started talking to my wife a bit. And that's why I was 3 2. I was like, oh, what's <laughs> happening there? And then suddenly, yeah. like, the, the, the 3 3 got in. Like, it was, it was really, uh, amazing game to see. And, um, yeah. And kudos to to Switzerland for picking themselves up like that. Yeah, are you somebody who always backs the underdog in games like this, Fra? Or would you rather see the bigger teams with the big stars playing in the, the later stages of the competition? Because I was watching this, and I was thinking, I would mm. rather see France play Spain in the next round, really. But then as the game went on, as the comeback was happening, I was like, Nah, come on, Switzerland. <laughs> uh, when you see games like this, you cannot be not excited about Switzerland or even Austria when they play against Italy, of course. Uh, you tr- when you when you don't support your team, you always want the 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 the, the other one to to to, to win. No? Also, because if you think about the few, if you think about semifinals or finals, would you rather play against Switzerland or against France? I'm asking you as an England fan or, or me as an Italy fan, right? Yeah. So you always support the the underdogs, but at the end, when there is a final like uh, Italy England, who would you not see that? Uh, and that's uh, uh, let's say in a final, I would prefer a big game, like with a bit, with important teams, with historic teams, uh, rather than an, two underdogs or one underdog yeah. and a big team. But during the competition, I like this kind of game, of course. Yeah, I made some very strange noises when those goals were going in, those Swiss goals, I must say. I was sc- screaming all sorts of... Uh obscenities at the TV and stuff. It was it was very fun, yeah. fun game to watch. Yeah. Uh, as for France, I mean, I, I really thought we were looking at the best team in the world after they beat Germany in the first game, but three draws in the other three games and going out in the last 16, that's got to be considered a massive disappointment, hasn't it, Danny? Must sting a bit, yeah. I mean, uh, uh, how do you, I mean, first of all, I think that, going back to what I was saying about Fernando Santos with the whole style of play, Deschamps' uh, brand of football isn't necessarily the most exciting one either. Mm-hmm. He just relies heavily on really big talents performing, and sometimes those talents uh, aren't quite there yet. I remember, I think it was the day before the game, Mbappe was complaining about raining in the training. So, you know, uh, kind of gives you an idea of what the atmosphere is there, that rain freaking gets on your nerves. Yeah. Uh, definitely tension is, is rising in that, in, that, um, in that little group there. But uh, I don't know. I think it's, it's, it's kind of hard to say in the cup tournaments who's actually the best or everything. Sometimes just you have a, an easier route toward the finals. Sometimes you have one bad game and that's all that matters. Um, it's definitely the case with France, I think. I think that they, they, as the same way the Swiss were resilient, they were overconfident and once the Swiss started coming back with that 3-2 and all that, 
it kind of just slipped out of their hands. They tried, but you, they just had really stubborn opposition in front of them. And yeah, I think they just didn't have the, the I don't know if the resilience is the right word, but definitely the the, the patience for it. And they just wore down. And uh, by the time Mbappe took the last kick, I don't think it's a coincidence that the guy that was complaining about the rain was the one that missed the only penalty missed in the in the penalty shootout. Um, I don't know. There's something definitely around uh, around the fact that many of them are as well very busy with uh, their professional careers yeah. when it comes to where they're going to be playing next season. So <laughs> I don't know. I think uh, there's a lot of things in this equation, and I've just mentioned many of them. Uh, but um, yeah, France could have been better, should have been better, and would have been better had their mind been uh, in the right place, I think. Yeah, I mean, I was thinking about Benzema during the game as well. There was a lot of hype about him coming back into the squad, hadn't really done yeah, an totally. awful lot before this game. Then he scores two brilliant goals, and you think, wow, you know, Benzema's firing now, France are really on on fire, and uh, nope, out of the tournament before you know yeah, it. Yeah, they go cruise control, and yeah, that's what happens when you go cruise yeah. control, that if you fall asleep at the wheel, well, you, you crash, don't you? Indeed, yeah. <laughs> uh, no goals for Kylian Mbappe at the tournament. Of course, he missed a decided penalty in the shootout. I think it was 14 shots without a goal for him um, Helga has this demystified him somewhat or do you think this this setback will just spur him on to become an even better player in future it, it has revealed him as the fraud that he is exactly yeah it's fine <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, we all know that he's, he's a great player like, I, like <laughs> Danny has said already like the like there were maybe some some problems in the the squad you know they had this public exchange between Mbappe and, and Giroud, I think it was, like where uh, like the, Giroud was the pl- uh, complaining that Mbappe was too too selfish and like not wouldn't pass enough. And I don't know, like, I think the over atmosphere maybe there has not been, been too great. Uh, like the fact that Deschamps was playing like this hero ball kind of football where he's just hoping that like any of his top talent there is is, you know, like doing something is also not necessarily helpful for, for the strikers. Um, you don't even know, like maybe it's like fatigue as well. Like after playing uh, last summer without a break, uh, then playing a full season uh, with also you know like Champions League there involved, like the Champions League tournament last time in the summer and everything. Maybe some fatigue involved there, you know, at the end of a long one and a half years. Um, so like whatever he's gonna play next season, might it be PSG, might it be Real Madrid, or the season after. Uh, Fra is probably like on all the insides there. Uh, <laughs> like wherever he might play, like, like we all know that he's he's uh, one of the best players in the world. Yeah, for sure. Well, I'm not going to ask you about uh, Mbappe's future, Fra, but I will ask you about Pogba's. Don't goal. please don't. <laughs> <laughs> uh, was Pogba's goal the, the goal of the tournament? Because because last time you were on, you said Sheik had already won it without doubt. So, what do you think now? I still I'm still going with uh, with Sheik, to be honest. Uh, uh, but then the, the Pogba goal was wow, yeah. just wow. Like the way, the, the angle he shot that, it was unbelievable, to be honest, unbelievable. And uh, uh, so I go with the second place for, for Pogba, right, let's say. Enough. Very close. And, and also recreating it, then recreating it as like with his penalty as well. Kind yeah. No, we have to talk one second about the penalties. Like oh, yeah. I don't remember penalties like this everyone was shooting like perfectly <laughs> like I, I unbelievable like everyone like Pogba penalty was if you if you if I try this like two million times I will never do that yeah. never I really like the the, uh, the camera maybe two angle. million times yes I'd say but <laughs> <laughs> the camera angle on, on the penalty shootout was was not good I didn't think it was like the, the wrong depth you couldn't really get a good sense of how big the goal was I didn't yeah, yeah 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 and another uh, thing that I noticed on TV uh, after this game was they cut back to the studio in Germany and in Germany they include the penalties in the score of the match so they said it was like seven eight when they went past the studio what's that about Helga I do not know. <laughs> this, is, this is news to me. Really? Uh, yeah. No, like I don't know. Not everybody does. I think you know they just go like depending on on like there's no strict rule about this. Yeah. Uh, I don't know which channel you watch them, but like some some do, some don't. I don't yeah. know. Like I think it's kind of weird as well because well, it gives you the the the. Like you have no idea how the how the game. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Just like, doesn't doesn't make any sense. At least put just the penalty in brackets like everyone else does. Yeah. Then we come to Tuesday, which began with England's 2-0 win over Germany at Wembley. Uh, what did you think of Germany's performance here, Helga? Were they a little unlucky or, or was it a disaster? <laughs> Utter garbage. No, uh, it was... Um, like In the end, it was a close game at the beginning because, like, as, as I said, when we talked about the, the Portugal-Belgium game, like, it was 
that both teams were at first focused on um, not conceding a goal or not making any mistakes. I think it was really smart of uh, Southgate to switch to a, like a five at the back or a three at the back because um, there was something that cost um, uh, Portugal dearly, I think, like when, when Germany was able to kind of like switch sides um, yeah. with like the, the, the crosses. And so I think that was great adaption for, for, for England there. Um, Germany just it's it's like this typical thing when you're when you're afraid to take risks like and you like play I don't know if you have that uh, like that, that phrase for like that saving thing for like the the you of death kind of like you know like when you just constantly go from one side to the other like via the um, via the center backs right it's like you, you constantly kind of like you don't you don't play it fast enough so you, you try to open up like maybe some some space there so like because the other team has to move from one side to the other but you're so slow and like they are just easily doing it yeah yeah so that was basically what it was and then um it kind of felt like okay then there's a need of like we they we need some players now that um are capable of, of bre like breaking this like maybe with an individual like performance like a dribbling or something you know because um Havertz maybe is a player like that, but like you had like Gnabry on the bench, you had uh, Zane on the bench, you had um, you had Musiala on the bench who, who did that really well against uh, Hungary, for example. Mm -hmm. And then it was really weird that, that uh, Löw changed the players so late as well. Like I think the first was Gnabry for Werner like, in the almost 70th minute. And then after the, the first goal of England, he, he didn't react at all. Yeah. Like, he put Sané on at 2-0 and it was like, what's he going to do now? <laughs> yeah, or like Musiala in like the 92nd minute. It's yeah. like, yeah, now he's going to make a difference. Yeah. <laughs> and also like the, the first idea after they conceded a goal was, I think uh, Löw was planning to bring on Emre Can. And I was like, what is this now? Like, what, what is your idea now to bring on Emre Can? And yeah, he supposed that was crazy. To? Yeah, yeah. Like, like, yeah, it was a really, a really weird game because like, Löw never seem to have an answer to to going down one zero like, kind of like what do we do now like how do you attack how like how do you want to like because it wasn't a surprise that that england was gonna you know play defensively sound you know that's what they did all tournament basically um so i i really like didn't understand the the match plan there right? i mean going for like hey we don't want to concede might not be the worst at the beginning but like why do you not have an answer to okay this is not working yeah. we're not creating many chances um, and why don't you have an answer for going down uh, a goal? Like, why, 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 did, why didn't you have like an immediate reaction like to yeah. this? Yeah, I mean, you say that, but it, I mean, Timo Werner misses a, a pretty decent one-on-one -on -one chance in the first half. I think Pickford made another pretty good save in the second half. Of course, at one 0 there's that Thomas Muller chance. I mean, how how shocked were you, Danny, that he missed that one? Oh, terribly heartbroken, man. I think uh, there's this there's this viral video now of like a beer yeah. garden just losing their shit when the guy misses and. Uh, <laughs> Very aptly so. I mean, like everybody, everybody everywhere was saying, ah, it's in. And uh, no, it wasn't. <laughs> I think that, that this is boiled down to the end that you have this really good expectation of Thomas Müller as well because he's sort of kind of become, ever since he came back to the national team, sort of like this guy is going to be the one that's going to make Germany a bit more stable again, you know, a bit more motivated, have a bit more... Great uh, again, yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Not, not great again, <laughs> but definitely a bit more bite in their, in their game. Um, and then he goes on and misses the one, like the, the biggest squander of a chance he could, he could miss. Um, so yeah, I think the, the reaction everybody had in that video is, you know, very, very <laughs> correct. Uh, gutted, as you would say. Yeah, that was my... The, I was watching it with my girlfriend at home and that was kind of her reaction as well. So yeah, very scaled down version of that. She was, <laughs> she was extremely upset, <laughs> which was I mean, yeah. made, made me much happier as well. So yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you mentioned uh, Love's game management, Helga. What, what about his team selection? I mean, why, why do you think Canabria was only on the bench, for example? Because I thought he was, you know, looking in really good form earlier in the in the group stage. Well, he... he, he wasn't really like he like he didn't he didn't score any goals or anything like he was so i get why maybe he, he tried something different i was a bit surprised but what like he brought on Werner. he scored against sense. portugal didn't he Gnabry. did he though no, but <laughs> i think so I, I might be misremembering that but yeah but i just remember like, like we all talked about like that he was like not on his best form mm. um during the during the uh last couple of weeks even um, either way, like, I was wondering why he was bringing on Werner. Like that was like in a game where you expect to like not have a lot of space where he could, could run into. Like you know, like that was a little bit surprising. Like maybe 
could have been more like a, a situation for for Folland, you know, like to bring on, on someone like him. Um, and uh, I mean, on the other end, like the other big changes, you know, like Müller was was clear that he had to come back. There's still like the, the like, but this is like more of a of a bigger point, like um, playing with the uh, uh, like three on the back, like a three four three. Like there was an overall question because like Müller is not in his best position in it. Uh, Kimmich had to play out, out on the right, um, but I mean that's like an overall discussion there. But for this game, Goretzka had to come in because because Gundogan couldn't play. Goretzka was really good against mm. uh, against Hungary, so that's all understandable. Um, but yeah, like the the Werner decision maybe maybe not the best. Yeah. Uh, well, of course, that's Löw's final match in charge of the national team. Uh, are the German people glad to see the back of him? And, and what's the biggest change that you hope to see under Hansi Flick? Uh, yes, <laughs> I, think, <laughs> I think German Germans are very happy for Löw to leave, which is sad because he he had such a good uh, performance up until 2014, 16, maybe even as well. Like with the well, the Euros actually still being quite quite a decent tournament for Germany, but mm. but that, that was like the latest when he, he had to leave, like with the. Uh, the arrogance coming in like the, the uh, before the World Cup and like, there's been like uh, a bunch of dreadful years now for for the German national team and, and it would have been time latest like 2016 for him to say like okay I'm, I'm gonna go while I'm still on top um, latest the, the, the Federation had had to say you know like in 2018 okay this is done like we're, we're gonna start yeah. something new um, so sadly, people really soured on him completely, and, and they're really happy to go. If I'm to go, I think like in, in surveys, ninety percent of people said he should go. Like even already like, before the tournament, like you know, who are the ten percent that that want him to stay? Is what I want to know. Probably fans from other teams. <laughs> yeah, you know, like, <laughs> like, like, maybe maybe you know people like Fra living here, yeah. saying like, yeah, keep him on. <laughs> um, or yeah, like I don't know, but like when it comes to Hansi Flick, like, I I really hope that there is going to be like, a more, um, like you know, like what he basically what he did at Bayern as well, like, like a more aggressive pressing, like a more uh, counter pressing approach, like a more um, risk taking approach to to football again, like it's also more fun. But you know, like also Luf is kind of weird in the sense that he he now seems to not be trusting players like like with Musiala for example he said like oh people are asking for him after one good like one good game against Hungary but he's not there yet and like no like people are asking for him because he also had a great season at Bayern yeah like didn't you watch him like it seemed like <laughs> someone told him like hey take that kid like it's, it's somewhat like, he's somewhat good and then Luf just goes okay I'll, I'll bring him on once and he did well and it's like oh no but like I, don't, I, like, I have only seen that half game of him, like in so, like, yeah. the, like fifteen minutes. It's so <laughs> weird. So I hope that Flick is, is going to change that as well, because at Bayern he was not afraid to throw in young players as well when it fit. You know, like with Alfonso Davies, with um, with Musiala as well at Bayern, for example. So. Mm. Um, I hope that is something that's going to come back. Indeed. Uh, well, as for England, I mean, the, the fans and, and media are, are getting understandably giddy, but I mean, I didn't think personally they were too great in this game. Frat, do you think uh, playing cautiously like Gareth Southgate did is the best approach for knockout football, or, or is it actually more <laughs> risky to play like that and hope the opposition miss chances like Germany did? Um, I would apply the same concept to Italy, I would like to, <laughs> but uh, they, they didn't. Uh, I think it's uh, understandable. Uh, um, it's a more, let's say, actually Italy way of playing, and it makes sense. Uh, also, to, to give some, uh, as you say, to 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 make the the, the players uh, confident and not to put so many pressure, so much pressure, and be able to do uh, an easy game, easy passes, uh, defense, uh, and then try to to score as they did against Germany. I would say it depends also of the opponent, how they play, uh, because you cannot play in the same way against any team in the competition. But I think it's a smart way to go to go further and to 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 go through. Because if you play, for example, like Italy in the group in the group phase, they were playing amazing football, uh, super offensive, uh, 3-0 every game like that. And then when you when you play against teams like Belgium or or England or Spain, it would be more difficult, of course. So I think it's a smart way from Gareth Southgate. Yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't want to sound like a Debbie Downer for any England <laughs> fans listening, but I just, I think, you know, we, we went into this tournament with a really exciting group of players, you know, Foden, Sterling, uh, Sancho, uh, Calvert-Lewin, uh, Grealish, all these players that you kind of 
want to see at this tournament, you know, attacking football. Um, and, and at the moment they're playing pretty defensive football and they're, they're playing cautious football. And when, when you win, everyone goes, Oh, what a great, uh, job. What a great idea it was. But if, if Werner takes that chance, if Muller takes that chance, it's a different story. And Southgate could very easily have been, you know, getting hammered in the press for, for being a bit too cautious. But, you know, he's, they're in the quarterfinal. They've not conceded a goal yet. So what do I know? <laughs> uh, Raheem Sterling, as I mentioned, he, he once again uh, popped up with a goal to break the deadlock. He's got three at the tournament now. He's a player who gets criticised a lot by England fans as an outsider. Can you understand that at all, Danny? I think it's bullshit, to be honest with you. <laughs> uh, I think it's just one of those cases where a player is you know, made responsible for each and every single one of the mistakes. Uh, if it rains, it's his fault. If it doesn't rain, it's his fault. Yeah. If the pitch is good, if the pitch is bad, it's his fault somehow. So I don't know, like, uh, and no offense to anybody out there that roots for England or anything, but sometimes like a national team fan bases, you do notice that some of them are not the sharpest knives in the drawer, you know? <laughs> and um, it's usually those the ones that are bickering the loudest about certain players because yeah. of certain reasons that are even beyond football. So, you know, the fact that it's always consistently against him or against players like him, uh, it's pretty annoying. It really is annoying. And it bothers me even, even though it's not my team or, or where he plays for my club or anything. I just think it's really sad of anything. Uh, he's a really, ta- really talented player. Um, maybe because of his injuries, his numbers haven't been as stellar, as amazing as everybody would hope they would be. But uh, otherwise, he's, he's fantastic. He's the one leading England this, this time around. So. Yeah. Tell us more about him than the other guys. If I mean, anything, well, I mean, he's one who obviously he, play, he plays for Man City. I watch him a lot, and uh, yeah. I love him. But he does frustrate me sometimes as well. And uh, I would have said I mean, before yeah, the but... tournament that on form he wouldn't be deserving to start for England. You know, Sancho should have been started over him. Sancho hasn't played barely a minute well, yet, uh, apart from coming on at the yeah, end, of, but... end of one game. And Sterling scored three goals. So again, maybe Gareth Southgate knows more about football than me. That's how you like him, apples. Actually, that's yeah. basically it. <laughs> uh, how we have to see that. <laughs> <laughs> Harry Kane got his first goal at the tournament after looking unfit and, and ineffective for the most part. Um, can you see him taking some confidence from, from that now, Helga, and finding his scoring touch again? Well, I, I think in general, like, yeah, for every every uh, striker, it's like if you score a goal, it's um, really a confidence boost. Uh, I don't know, like with him, I was really surprised because like, I think during the game at like the 30th minute, the, the commentary was like, yeah, he's had like three touches. Yeah. I was like, wow. Because normally it's also like that he, he, you know, drops back into midfield, kind of like tries to be part of, of like build up play or like at least like to, you know, like um, drop deep a little bit to, to help, um, you know, to connect with the midfield. So like it was really weird to see him completely, um, like, yeah, like completely taken out of the game. Um, on the other hand, like, you know, he's definitely one of the, the better strikers in the world, so I, I hope that he, like for his sake, that he's um, taking confidence from this now, yeah. Indeed. Uh, well, England will play Ukraine in the quarterfinal after they beat Sweden after extra time on Tuesday. Uh, Fra, were you annoyed that, the, that Ukraine's winner came right at the end of extra time and we were, we were denied a penalty shootout? I have to be honest, no, because I was not working, oh, okay. you know, so <laughs> I was not on shift. So otherwise I would be pissed off. <laughs> but uh, I, I wasn't so, now of course it was quite... Uh, <laughs> when you arrive at that point you want to see the penalties but at the same time I'm super 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 happy for my Serie A friend Andriy Shevchenko and also and I completely forgot about that you know the, the number the, the, the assistant head coach is Mauro Tassotti the former uh, Ancelotti one when they won the Champions League and oh. all of that you remember the, the, the guy who was always behind Ancelotti yeah, Mauro Tassotti so, yeah, yeah. The one that had the, the fight with Luis Enrique uh, in the, in I think it was World Cup 94, ah, if I'm not right, mistaken. Okay. Uh, or I think, yeah, I think it was 94. Uh, so it's him. Uh, and he's the assistant coach of uh, Andriy Shevchenko. And super nice to see a, a guy like that uh, also uh, uh, outside with, uh, with Andriy Shevchenko. Yes. Uh, well, this was possibly Sweden's best performance at the tournament with Emil Forsberg hitting the woodwork a couple of times and then Marcus Danielson got himself sent off in extra time. Danny, do you have any issues with that red card at all? I mean, the, the way the guy's leg bends, uh, <laughs> I, that alone, I mean, that's not even Pogba's shot bent that way. Like, it's, uh, it's pretty bad. Uh, I, I know the guy didn't go for that. He went for the ball and then just happened to... Let's say Gray's to be subtle here, um, the guy's leg. But um, I mean, yeah, that's a red card where you put it in my book. Like, yeah. it, it's a tough you one. Have, you have Team Lineker. 
Because it's nah. There's never a red card. Nah, nah, come on. I mean, when it, I, I insist, like the replay clearly shows that the, the leg, legs don't bend that way, okay? They bend forwards, backwards, not left, right, you know? And uh, ah, that was just hard to watch, if anything. Um, but yeah, you're saying also uh, Forsberg, he, he's class. He's class. He's had a couple of, not a couple hard years at Leipzig, uh, but ever since he had that really big uh, injury a couple years ago, he's kind of struggled to come back to shape. It's great to see him finish the Bundesliga at a good level, start the Euro at a good level, play at a great level with Sweden, uh, kind of lead the, the way for them, if you will. Um, so, yeah, I'll take, I'll take Forsberg's uh, performance over Danielson's file any day of the week, man. Like, uh, seemed like a bad one for a namesake here, Dan. Yeah. <laughs> if, uh, if only his last son had been available for them at this tournament, it might have been a different story for Sweden. Eh? Don't tell me, don't tell me. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, Ukraine got three points uh, and they had a negative goal difference in the group stage. Their celebrations show you there's still there's a lot of passion and togetherness in that team, but can you see that being enough to, to beat England in the next round, Helga? Well, I sure hope so. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, in, in the end, like, um, I think in this, in these, like we've seen this in uh, the other games as well. Like so many uh, surprises where you did not think um, they, they, that we would get games that were so exciting, or like that we like you know had the, these uh, favorites going out of the tournament like that. So like definitely pas- uh, possible. Um, Question is a little bit like with fatigue as well, you know, like what we saw in the uh, World Cup, like with the Croatia at some point, where we always thought, like, okay, no, like they, they can't just continue like that anymore. Yeah. So we'll see how Ukraine is going to deal with that. Um, but I mean, England has, has been very solid defensively, so I think they're going to go through. But well, as I said, like there's like so many surprises. Uh, they can, they can one game, Indeed, sort of everything you you think you've got a handle on teams in this tournament, and then they they shock you in the next game. So, Completely, stay yeah. tuned for more shocks in the quarterfinals. Well, that's all we've got time for on this episode of the One Football Podcast. Thanks to Helga Frat and Danny for joining me, and thanks to everyone for listening. We'll be back again on Monday, fifth of July, to discuss the quarterfinals and look ahead to the semi-finals. And we hope you will join us again then. Ciao for now. Mm-hmm.